So normally over the year we have themes set out um, for different uh, months and we organise that in advance. But over the, uh, January, there's no set theme. So I thought being the start of the year, um, I'd talk about what the Bible says about making good decisions. Being at the start of the year, New Year resolutions, <coughs> we want to set the year up right. The Bible is, the Bible speaks to every area of life. And uh, the Bible is clear about how to live a successful life, <coughs> how to do life well, and how to make life work. And the decision, uh, the way we make decisions is really important because what decisions we make is what is going to determine where we end up. The decisions that we make will determine where we end up in life. <coughs> uh, the Bible says in Philippians 1.9 in this, the CEV version, the contemporary English version, it says this, I pray that your love will keep on growing. So you, be, you grow, your, your love continues to increase. Love for God, love for people, love for life. will keep on growing. And that you will fully know and understand how to make the right choices. Isn't it interesting that there's a connection there between love growing and making right choices? Because love is not an emotion. Love is a choice. Love is a decision. Anyone that's been married any period of time understands that the emotion of love goes like this. Is that a sine wave? <laughs> love is a choice. Love is a decision. Love is action. And so there's a connection between what we love and the decisions that we make when it comes to uh, the relationships in our life, when it comes to our life, when it comes to our future. Whether we're loving it or not loving it is dependent upon some of the decisions that we're making in our world. Then you will still be pure uh, and innocent when Christ returns. The changes that we want to make in 2017, the thing... Some of us have New Year's resolutions. Some of us want to see some changes in 2017. Those changes are not going to occur without your involvement. They're not going to just happen because you think, oh, I want that to change. You have to implement those changes. You have to take responsibility for those changes. You need to make decisions now, follow it up with actions if you want those things to occur in your life. I... As a pastor, oftentimes talking to people, you know, God gets the rap for so many things that happen in the world. Or any disaster that happens on the news, oh, it's an act of God. But even in our own lives, or different, talking to different people, it's so often people blame God for things in their world. When oftentimes, if you actually talk to them, and un, it, they've made decisions in their world that has put them in a place that then they blame God that these things are occurring. And it happened all throughout the Bible with the Israelites as well. It's important that as we put our faith and trust in God, that we also take responsibility in that relationship for where we are right now and where we want to go. Decisions will determine where we go in 2017. Not only for our own world. As you get older, you start thinking about your progeny, you start thinking about children and, 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 and your influence upon the coming generations within your world. And you know what? The decisions you're making today will influence the lives of people that go on in your family tree, your family line. There's a study that was done in 1874 by a guy by the name of Richard L. Dugdale. 
Doug Dale. He was employed by the New York Prison Commission in 1878 to do a report on the criminals that were in the, the system. They were trying to work out if there was any links, any, any connections between the people that were there trying to work out if there was signs for why people would end up in prison or, or whatever. Anyway, as he, uh, it says, as he visited the, uh, the prison and interviewed the different people, he was surprised to find that, that criminals in six different prisons whose relatives... Uh, were mu- uh, sorry, that he visited, uh, he was surprised to find that the criminals in six different prisons, relatives were mostly criminals or professional beggars. And, the, and he was most surprised to discover that six of the criminals, or six, six, of, the, uh, six of the interconnections of the pe- people were all connected back to the one person. So one person had had children who had gone on then to produce the same kind of activity, the same kind of mindset, the same kind of approach to life that had ended up with generations of this family life being ending up in prison. Uh, and he interviewed all of them, uh, studied the court and prison records, um, and he learned, uh, and he did the research on 540 relatives of this particular so he found out there was a whole bunch of people that were in prison that were related to this one person he started to do a study on the family tree going back and he interviewed or he he got in contact looked at the records and interviewed as many as he could but he ended up getting the details of 540 of the relatives of this one particular man he called him uh sam jukes it wasn't his real name but he just invented this name for this person and then to to uh, connect it or to have some kind of um, image or some, uh, some other kind of, something to uh, match it against, if you like. Uh, he interviewed a guy by the name of Jonathan Edwards, who was a very prominent, well-known, uh, world-renowned preacher at the time. Uh, and in 1897, they ended up doing a study of his life. Anyway, so the results were as he looked through the 540 relatives of this one particular guy and his approach to life, his approach, his paradigm of life, his, his uh, view of the future, uh, this, was the, this was the fruit, if you like, of his progeny. Uh, I'm not sure if the first group is up there on the screen. Yes? No? Okay. 310. So out of the 540, 310 of the... Of the Oh, it's got 1,200 here. That's confusing. Anyway, 310 were professional beggars. That's one, more than one in four of his relatives were professional beggars. 50 of the women out of his uh, family tree were prostitutes. 400 men and women were living physically wrecked lives due to alcoholism and debauchery. Seven were murderers, were in jail for murder. Sixty were habitual habitual thieves uh, who spent an average of 12 years in prison and 130 of them were criminals who had been convicted for one or more crimes less than murder. That was the family tree out of this one particular guy. And then they did a study of Jonathan Edwards, the prominent preacher of his day, and they looked at his family tree and they found that one uh, had been a U.S. vice president, three had been U.S. senators, three had been governors, three had been mayors, 13 college presidents, 30 judges, 65 professors, 80 
people holding public office, 100 lawyers and 100 missionaries, pastors and theologians. The decisions that you make in your life not only influence your life, but will influence those that come after you. That is the responsibility that we have with the decisions that we make. We are not just influencing ourselves. When I was reading through all these details, I haven't got time to go all through it, but this guy who, who generated all of these, um, this particular line of lifestyle and approach to living, they were saying he in and of himself wasn't a particularly bad person. He was a petty criminal, um, but, but had a view. Uh, anyway, it goes through all these characteristics um, and most of them were that he was negative about life, about people and about the future and about God. He was lazy. Uh, he didn't want to work. He always looked for the easy way in life. There was a whole bunch of, um, a whole bunch of uh, approaches to life that he had that ended up developing this kind of approach and look uh, to life. Now, I'm not saying that just because you follow God, you're going to end up with a vice president, three U.S. senators, governors, or whatever. Um, there's different skills and abilities. All I'm saying is it's interesting that the way we approach life, the way we see life and the decisions that we make influence not just ourselves but those that are watching. So it's important that we take that into consideration. So I want to look at our three points and then look at three ways of how to make good decisions. Number one, tomorrow's success is rooted in today's decisions. Tomorrow's success is rooted in the decisions we make today, not tomorrow. What decisions are we making today? What, what do we want to see happen tomorrow? Oftentimes I find talking to, to believers, talking to Christians over many years now, is that for some reason we take certain scriptures and we take them out of context and we approach life uh, in a way that, well, you shouldn't really be planning for the future. You should just live day by day. There's a scripture that people often quote, Matthew 6, 34 Therefore, do not, Jesus said, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And people take that scripture and say, well, you shouldn't plan for tomorrow. You shouldn't have any goals. You shouldn't have any plans. You should just live day by day and just take today as today, and then tomorrow will look after itself. That's not what that scripture is saying. There's many other scriptures within the, script, within the Bible that tell us that it's important to have a vision for the future. The Bible says in Jeremiah 29, 18, without a vision, people cast off restraint. If you've got no purpose, no vision, no desire for the future, you're not going to discipline yourself. You're not going to do certain things because you've got no reason to. People take that scripture and say, oh, just, just live for today. That scripture is saying, don't worry about tomorrow. There's enough worry with today. What we do is we, we forget about today. We're worrying about next week. What's going to happen next week? And he's saying, don't worry about next week. Plan for next week, but don't worry about it. Today's got enough worries, enough concerns. And so worry is the thing that Jesus is focusing on there because worry is the opposite to faith. Worry, fear, anxiety are the opposites to faith. And so tomorrow's deci today's decisions, what we're doing today, the, the habits that we're developing today will determine where we end up tomorrow. Um, Oscar Wilde. Anyone heard of Oscar Wilde? He was a uh, well-known playwright in his day in the 1800s. It was written of Oscar Wilde. He was a man of unlimited potential. 
He was a playwright, he was a novelist, he was a poet, he was a critic. He was born in 1854. He won a scholarship and was educated in Britain's best school. He excelled in Greek, winning the gold medal at Trinity College for his studies. He was awarded the Newingate Prize and was honoured as the first in greats at Oxford. His plays were popular. He earned a mountain of cash. His talent seemed limitless. He was the toast of London. Karen Kenyon, a writer for the British Heritage magazine at the time, called him our most quotable writer after Shakespeare. That's Oscar Wilde. Yet he ended his life penniless, miserable, lost his family, lost his fortune, lost his will to live. His lifestyle ended him, uh, landed him in prison and from prison, the most quotable writer after Shakespeare wrote this, I must say to myself that I ruined myself and that nobody great or small can be ruined except by his own hand. That God, God he wasn't a Christian obviously, that the gods had given me almost everything but I let myself be lured into long spells of senseless and sensual ease. I amused myself with being the flannerer, a dandy, a man of fashion. I surrounded myself with the smaller natures and the meaner minds. I became the spendthrift of my own genius, and to waste an eternal youth gave me a curious joy. I took pleasure where it pleased me and passed it on. I forgot that every little action of the common day makes or unmakes character and that therefore what one has done in, in the secret chambers, one has some has someday to cry aloud from the housetop. I ceased to be lured over, lord over myself. I was no longer the captain of my soul and I did not know it. I allowed pleasure to dominate me. I ended in horrible disgrace. There is only one thing for me now, absolute humility. That's Oscar Wilde talking about his life, the talents, the abilities, the, the finances. He said it was the decisions that he was making each and every day. A life is not made up by one great act or decision. Our future, our tomorrows is built by little decisions that we make each and every day to build a great life. Finances, character, relationships, health is built by the decisions we make each day. You don't decide to eat vegetables for a day and get healthy. You don't decide to not go to Macca's for one day. It's all right when you're a teenager. <laughs> I'm just going to look at a Big Mac and I put on about 500 grams. <laughs> but my first point, tomorrow's success is rooted in today's decisions. Point number two, your decisions will determine your destination. Where are you taking your life? The decisions that you're making will determine where you end up, not where you want to end up. You may want to end up somewhere, but the decisions that you make will determine where you end up. You might want to go to New York, but if you buy a ticket to London, guess where you're going to end up? London. Your vision and desires will tell me where you want to end up. Where do you want to go? What do you want to do? Your choices and your decisions will tell me if you're going to get there. Plenty of people talk about having a vision, having a desire, having a plan, setting New Year's resolutions. They're all important. 
they're all vital, but that's only the first step. The second step is what decisions are you making? What habits are you putting in place to make sure that that thing ends up coming to pass? Your vision and desire will tell me where you want to end up. Your choices and decisions will tell me if you're going to get there. I should be able to look at your decisions and know where you want to go. Benjamin Franklin, another great man of history, said one today is worth two tomorrows. One today is worth two tomorrow. I'll do it tomorrow. One of the favorite quotes of my boys. <laughs> you need to mow the lawn. I'll do it tomorrow. <laughs> no, you'll mow it today. No, no, I'll do it tomorrow. Okay. No, you'll do it today. Yeah, okay. Hey, I need to take the car. Is the lawn mowed? <laughs> oh, okay. I'll go mow the lawn. <laughs> um. Proverbs 14, 15, said, I said that because they weren't here. <laughs> Proverbs 14, 15, the simpleton believes every word he hears, but the prudent man looks and considers well where he is going. Does where you want to go line up with what you are doing each day? Um. Uh, That's what two, okay, three points now. How do we make great decisions? How do we make great decisions? Number one, you have to make sure you've got adequate information. Getting as much information as you can is important to making a good decision. You can't make a great decision without adequate information. We're not always going to have all the information that we need. But how many times have we thought when we get, we've made a decision, we get down the track, we go, oh, if I only had known that, I probably wouldn't have done that. Now, we can't always know all the, we can't always know all the data, all the details. We can't always know all the facts. We know as much as we can. We trust God as well. But it's important that we make uh, the effort to get the information that we need. If I had known the car was a lemon, I would never have bought it. Did you get an NRMA inspection? No, I put a fleece out. <laughs> I put a fleece out and if, waiting for God to show me if it was a good car or not. <laughs> you know, if you don't know the story, there's a story in Gideon where Gideon put a fleece out trying to tell God to give him a decision. That's the Old Testament. God doesn't do fleeces anymore. He's given you the Holy Spirit and he's given you a brain. Those two are supposed to work together. Don't put out a fleece to ask if you're supposed to buy this car, this house, this boat, this whatever. <laughs> if I'd have known the house was in a flood zone, I wouldn't have bought it. I thought, I thought it was cheap because the Lord was blessing me. <laughs> no, you do your research. Got to do research. Need the information to make good decisions. Uh, some people make the decisions too fast without weighing up everything that's involved. You know, because making decisions and going through it, it's hard work, isn't it? It's hard work getting all the facts together, working all together. So sometimes the easy way is just go, you know what, I'm just going to close my eyes, pray, and I'm going to step out. I'm just going to buy it. I'm going to buy it. I'm going to trust God. I'm just going to get married. <laughs> it doesn't matter who it is. <laughs> I'm just going to buy a business. I don't know anything about the industry, but God didn't say no. So I'm just going to buy it and trust the Lord. We laugh, but we do these things. We think that 
because we're Christians that God's just going to take control of our life and stop us from making any dumb decisions. But he hasn't so far, has he? Well, not with me anyway. (laughs) So, we don't make decisions on a whim that affect the rest of our life. Proverbs 15.22 says, Plans fail for a lack of counsel. Ask people who are experts in the area before you make a decision. Don't just... Don't just pray. Praying is important. Asking God. God will lead us. God will speak to us. But you know what? God can speak to you through other people as well. Putting people in your world, in your circumstances, that you can go, hey, ask them the question. They have the answer. It's important. So number one, get as much information as you can before you're making particularly big decisions, really big decisions about career moves, about buying houses, spending lots of money, moving states, whatever. The big decisions in life, don't just make them on a whim. Number two, you make a great decision in the window of opportunity. You know, a great decision doesn't doesn't always have an unlimited time frame. Sometimes the great decision has a time frame. Napoleon Bonaparte said this, nothing is more difficult and therefore more, pre- more precious than being able to decide at the right time. You can't make a great decision any time you want to. Sometimes there's an opportunity, you need to pray, get the information, work it out. This, this opportunity has a time frame. I want to go to the Olympics for athletics. How old are you? I'm 45. No, you've missed it. The window has closed. You're not going to the Olympics. I want to I want to do something else that has a limited time frame. But I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I don't know if you ever heard that. I can, I can go to the Olympics. I can do this because God can do it. No, he can't. <laughs> not with you anyway. <laughs> You're the limiting factor. No, because that <laughs> because the Bible makes it clear that opportunities have a window. We are, we are limited by our physicality to certain things. If God had made you that promise, you had a window to make that happen. When you're in your teens, in your early 20s, you needed to work hard, focus, commit, sacrifice, and make that all happen and have an opportunity. Not when you're 45, not when you're 55. Um, you read the story in the Bible, children of Israel, God had given them the promise, go into the promised land, I've given it to you, look at the fruit, it's all there, they said, no, we're not going to do it, we're afraid, he goes, no, I want you to go in there, I've given it to you, no, I don't want to, we're not going to do it, we want to go back to Egypt, we won't want to step out in faith, we don't want to trust God, we don't want to go into that place, the unknown, the fearful, we want to stay where it's safe, where it's comfortable, we want to stay in the known, right here, He goes, no, this is your moment of opportunity. They go, no, we're going back. He goes, right, that's it. The window's closed. Oh, no, we want to go now. Do you know the story in Exodus? No, no, now we want to go. He goes, no, the window's over. The opportunity's gone. No, no, we're going to go. What happens? They go, okay, we're going to go. They go out. They get defeated. They get beaten. They go, where's God? God said, no, that was the window of opportunity. That was it. We can't make a good decision anytime we want, anytime we feel like it. We've got to listen to the Holy Spirit. We've got to be led by God. We've got to make decisions in the right time. 
I want to have a nest egg for when I retire. How old are you? I'm 75. It's too late. <laughs> too late to get a nest egg. Uh, so when the Lord opens the door, you go in. Maybe it's a career opportunity. Maybe it's a financial opportunity. Maybe it's a business opportunity. Could be a relational opportunity. Oh, I'm not ready to get married. I'm only 25. I've got a life to live. Then we get to 45. Oh, I can't find anyone to get married. Well, you had a chance. Not saying there can't be another chance. All I'm saying is opportunities come. Opportunities come. Opportunities come. Uh so number one, get adequate information. Number two, wait, look at the opportunities. Some, some decisions have a, a longer, life, a longer op- uh, shelf life than others. Some you just got to make a decision right there and right then. And the last one, be led by the Holy Spirit. Most important thing, not everything that glitters is gold. Have you ever heard that saying before? We look at an opportunity, we see something, go, wow, this is it. Not always. Not, not all that glitters is, is gold. If you know the story of Lot in the Bible, Lot and Abraham, story in Genesis. Lot had come with Abraham. They'd left. They'd stepped out in faith. God had called them to a certain place. They got to this promised land. They were starting to fight because they'd started to get wealthy. And they said to each other, Abraham said to Lot, look, we need to separate. We need to make a decision about which direction we're going to go in our future. So Abraham says to Lot, you choose. And it says that Lot looked up and with his own eyes looked for the best land. And he looked towards Sodom and Gomorrah and he saw it was green, it was lush, it was the best land for all the cattle and all the sheep and all the uh, herds that they had, which was the wealth of their day. And he looked with his own eyes, the Bible said, and he saw that and he decided, that's where I want to go. And so he took all his sheep, Abraham let him go. The other side was like a desert. There was hardly anything there, just tumbleweeds and thistles. And yet God said to Abraham that, he, he said to Abraham, I want you to look with the eyes of faith, not just with the eyes of the natural. And if you know the story, Lot ended up going down, living towards so- Sodom and Gomorrah. He ended up poor. He ended up, it ended up affecting his his children, it ended up affecting his progeny, it ended up affecting the rest of his life because he simply lived by, the, by his own physical sight. He made all his decisions about what he thought was best. Not everything that looks the best is the best. Sometimes God will ask us to take steps of faith with certain things that don't look like they're the best decision, like with Abraham. And yet when we are hearing from God, we've got adequate information, we're getting counsel from others and everything lines up, we step out, we believe God and God works all things together for good. That's the way it works. That's how we make good decisions. Led by the Spirit. It says, Lot looked around and saw the whole plain of the Jordan towards Zoar. It was well watered. It was like a garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt. So Lot chose for himself. That's the key word there. Lot chose for himself he didn't pray about it he didn't ask God he didn't get counsel from Abraham he just looked up he decided and he went and it actually ruined his life Abraham prayed about everything that he did God led him 
through difficult circumstances at times, but he got all the way through, and the Bible calls him the father of faith. Led by the Holy Spirit. The interesting thing in 2 Peter, it's, uh, Peter says of Lot, that Lot was a righteous man. He wasn't, a, he, wasn't a, he wasn't an ungodly man. He wasn't a sinful man. It says he was a righteous man. So what that tells me is you can be a Christian, you can be living with God, and you can still make bad decisions if you don't include God in the decision-making process. So to make great decisions, you need to be led by the Holy Spirit. Proverbs 16.3 says this, Commit your work to the Lord and then your plans will succeed. Proverbs 25, 9 to 13, he leads the humble in what is right, teaching them his way. So, as we enter into 2017, got desires, we've got dreams, we've got to let go of the past, the regrets, the hurts, the people, forgive, ask for forgiveness, let that all go. Look towards 2017, the promises of God. Start making good decisions. Start putting steps in place. Pray and ask God. God wants you to succeed. God wants you to be blessed. God wants you to have the desires of your heart. It's in the Scriptures. But there's a process, and the Bible makes it clear how to do that. And the decisions that we're making each and every day are what's going to determine where we go. The decisions to pray, the decisions to include God, the decisions to get counsel, the decisions to educate ourselves, the decisions to forgive, all these decisions, all these decisions that we're making. A great marriage is not made with one decision. It's all the little decisions that are made each and every day. Every word that's spoken, every act that's done. Don't buy into this concept that one great act, one great decision, one great move is going to give you the life that you want. The lotto lie. It's the decisions that you're making every day that can set you up for success. God wants you to be blessed. God wants you to have a great family. God wants you to have all that you need and see your desires and your dreams come to pass. And it's the things that we're doing each and every day that are going to determine whether we get there or not. So let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. As we enter into 2017, Father, that we are making great decisions led by your Holy Spirit. Father, that we're getting all the information that we can. We're getting wise counsel for those who in the know. We're trusting in you. We're praying. We're being led by your Spirit, Lord. I thank you. I thank you, Lord, that we're making good decisions in 2017. We're making wise decisions in 2017. We're making decisions that are going to end up blessing our life and not cursing our life. We're making decisions that are going to lead us into a prosperous future and not into a a poverty-stricken future, Lord. Whether it be in our relationships, our finances, our education, our career, Lord. Wise decisions, God. Wise decisions. So we're here today. You know, the greatest decision that you can make in your life is to ask Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior. All this stuff we're talking about, all this stuff I'm talking about comes from God. The ability to forgive, the ability to let go, the ability to take hold of the future, the ability to see the future, not as it is, but as it could be. That's the power of the Holy Spirit.
that comes with us, comes inside when we ask Jesus Christ to be our Lord and Saviour. If you're here today, you've never prayed that prayer to ask Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Saviour, to come into your life, to give you eternal life, to be your, your Saviour, to be your shepherd, to be the leader of your life, to take you into the promises that He has made. I want to give you an opportunity to pray that prayer here this very day to ask Jesus Christ to come into your life to be your Lord and Savior. The Bible says that if you ask, you shall receive. So if that's you here today, you've never prayed that prayer, just slip up your hand so I can see it. I'm going to pray with you at the end of this service. Jesus Christ is going to come into your life today. One decision can change your spiritual future.